Hello, America. It's Friday. We'll give you an update on what's happening here as I broadcast live from the Middle East. The Glenn Beck Program. Let me ask you this. What are your kids learning in school right now, today? Most likely some form of Marxism, critical race theory. Unfortunately, it is the pure and simple truth that this stuff is being taught all over the country right now. This is a hostile takeover of America. Now, what can you do about it? Well, there's lots of things, but the most important is teach your children about democracy, what the difference of a democracy and a republic is. And the best way I know how to do this is with the Tuttle Twins books for kids all ages. They can learn about liberty in a fun and interesting way. They're having a crazy back-to-school sale this week only. It's a massive socialism inoculation kit. It has all of the books, the parent guides, the activity books, and all the audio books, all for less than the normal cost of just the books. They're taking 70% off the normal price now. So just go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com this week only to get the massive discount the TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get the ultimate bundle to keep your kids sane in a crazy, crazy world. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Somebody that I'm really anxious for you to uh, meet. Uh, in fact, I'm having her on uh, the Friday exclusive tonight to talk a little bit more about uh, Christian persecution all around uh, the world and, and what, what Afghanistan means for Christians around the world, uh, the collapse of this. She's from um, the Hudson Institute. You can find her at hudson.org. Uh, her name is Nina Shea, and she is a senior fellow. She's the director of the Center for Religious Freedom, and she has been fighting here to um, protect Christians and get them out. Welcome, Nina. How are you? Great to be with you, Glenn. And you're doing such incredible work through your charities on helping these Christians right now in Afghanistan. And that's what uh, I'm primarily uh, concerned with, as I'm sure you are these days, uh, this week, um, which may be their last chance. We have, um, uh, right now, I have about 40 uh, missionaries that... Um, uh, we're trying to get out, and some of them have already been beaten with chains, uh, and they're in hiding now. And, I mean, I don't know how we're going to get these people out, at least at this time, um, well, because they are uh, I, that's right. really being I'm, hunted. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to work with the State Department to get them, uh, <laughs> you know, to, involved. And, uh, uh, you know, they keep saying that they received the files, and we're going to, you know, see, I guess today will be the determining day. Um, this is the day, a fateful day for them. We have one case, Glenn, uh, of a man who's in hiding for a week around the perimeter of the airport because he's so terrified. He not only worked for the U.S. government, he's an adult, but since he was 16, but so did his father and his brother. They're Christians, mm. and the father and brother were killed last week murdered by the Taliban oh for being um, for both of those things and uh, for working for the U.S. and for being a Christian. He fled immediately his home in Kandahar and is now in the periphery, periphery, 
periphery of the airport in hiding, waiting to get onto one of your planes. And I've been told by your team over there that your plane will take them, but they can't get them into the airport. And so um, this poor man um, is in shock. He cannot leave. He will not go back to his home. He will die there if he has to, because it's so brutal, as you know. You know, a woman was shot because in the street because she did not have a burqa on when the Taliban took over. Uh, This is their harsh interpretation of Islamic rule, of of, uh, their Sharia, and uh, they show no mercy. They um, said, you know, they immediately declared when they took over Afghanistan, Islam has conquered Afghanistan and uh, Islam will rule. And they erected a white flag with the Islamic profession of faith. And the problem with them is that they do not recognize the human agency in interpreting God's Mm -hmm. rule. They don't recognize that humans apply it and interpret it. And therefore, it's above criticism or accountability. And if you dare to suggest reform or moderation, you will be accused of blasphemy or apostasy and put to death. So that's that's the basic problem there. Uh, they don't so, believe in Nina, any form of democracy. Let me let me ask you: Can I can I go back to? Are you willing to go in um, at all about the the? Um, mm, how can I say this? The the issues with the State Department. Are you willing to to talk about any of those or or not? And I understand um, if not. Yes, yes. No, I I, I am. Um, the the, the uh, there are individuals who are willing to help uh, mm-hmm. within the State Department, and we're working with them. I'm working with a wonderful member of Congress, uh, Jeff Fortenberry, who's an appropriator in Congress means he is one of the people who control the purse purse strings of the State Department, Mm -hmm. so they do have to listen to him. He's uh, from Nebraska, and he's been advocating for us, but so far we haven't gotten to square one. We haven't gotten them into the airport so they can take your plane or some other plane or a U.S. plane. And some of them are eligible for U.S. planes as well. Um, but the State Department has a policy right now of not letting in uh, Afghan civilians. And um, I, they are focused on the political. I think that, you know, they don't want to say, uh, the president doesn't want to say that um, that they left any American behind. So they're trying to just focus on that and, and, and shut out the people that have supported us, that have worked with us, who are going to be killed, either for their faith or here's the amazing thing is they don't have to do anything you know our organization has people in the airport with the airplanes other organizations have people outside the gates that want to come in or they're going and gathering these people and then bringing them i mean we've all really been playing nicely with each other all of all of these charities um, are it's it's like nobody cares about credit and we're all just kind of doing it um, and we all have different strengths and weaknesses but the but the State Department is acting like it's just the biggest of deals just to approve a list right and you're not even asking for visas <laughs> for them uh, right. you're, you're, you found uh, other countries that will take them 
which is the most Correct. amazing piece of this. And um, because I know how hard it is, having gone through this in, on the Iraq Christian uh, when, uh, front when mm. ISIS came through, that's always the toughest thing, is to try to put the whole package together, which you have done. And then they control the airport. Our people control the airport and won't let them in. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's really astonishing. Um, people who've gotten in, as you know, some of them have been driven out by the State Department of the airport. Oh, um, mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, uh, it's unconscionable. And um, it's it particularly galling to me because I heard uh, the president get on television last week and say that human rights were at the center of his concerns. And um, that's simply not true here. Um, we're seeing uh, it, it, people being terribly persecuted for their human rights, for their right to religious freedom, for their right to expression. Um, aid workers, journalists, everybody's in trouble. And it's, it's, you know, he's delivered over 40 million, the president has delivered over 40 million Afghans to a brutally repressed, one of the world's most brutally repressive Islamist regimes. So um, it's, it's astonishing. Um, they're trying to say, well, after today, you know, they're going to negotiate with the Taliban to find ways out. Uh, the Taliban is a, it, it considers us to be blasphemers. Um, we mm-hmm. are not uh, an Islamic country. Now, maybe we can go through Turkey or some other Islamic country, but they are so radical that it's impossible to know. And these checkpoints, as you said, people are getting brutalized at them by the Taliban. Um, There is a man from Canada that was waving his passport outside the airport perimeter who was bleeding from the head after being beaten by chains by the Taliban just for trying to leave. Um, He had a Canadian passport. Um, It's... uh, They want to kill anyone who is not part of their uh, movement, their ideological movement of extreme Sharia. Nina, I'm sure you feel the same way you felt the same way. Um, But but for the first time, I really understood those people that were trying to get Jews out of Germany. Um, You know, we had all this cash um and we could get airplanes but we couldn't necessarily get them um you know as as the nazarene fund we have relied on other charities um to to help us do what they do best and uh i i sat there in my home this is last week i think and i i sat there in my home and i thought these people don't mean anything to the taliban they don't they, they don't they're going to kill them it's just this raging hatred, and it is, it's such an amazing thing to, to be in a position to where you say, I can buy them from you. Let me just buy them from you. Uh, and you can't, because the hatred is so deep. Yeah. Um, well, they, these are people who have been um, at war and killing and being killed for 40 years, even before we were, you know, long, long before we were there during the Russian period. Uh, so they are hardened uh, warriors. Uh, they're even asking their own imam to, in the country, to make lists of girls over the age of 12 um, to, to marry off as spoils of war to their jihadi. I mean, this is the way they think. It's an extremely uh, barbaric um, culture. 
um, where they uh, life is cheap. Women mean nothing. It's, women are property. Uh, Christians are beyond contempt. They're they're an insult. To, they're considered an insult by their mere presence. Near, insult to their religion by mere presence. Their mere presence, and they want them killed. They want to purify their land, and um, or so they think. Um, so it's a bloodletting that has been going on for uh, forty years, and to think that um, we can negotiate with them, um, or that we will have a partnership with them which one of our military commanders said, I was astonished to see that astonished. yesterday, yeah. um, is delusional and is extremely na- dangerously, it's foolish and dangerously naive. And um, we are throwing the people who we work with, our real partners, people who believe in our values and uh, have supported us against this scourge. And it's not going to stay in Afghanistan, Glenn, as you know, uh, there is a counterpart in Pakistan, and Pakistan is a country with a nuclear bomb. So it, it's a very dangerous uh, situation from a national security front, from a geopolitical front, and then from our own sense of values and culture. We're talking to uh, Nina Shea. Um, uh, tonight when we're on the TV show, I want to just ask you um, what the situation is around the rest of the world and what this what this means but let me just um, end our time here with how many that you know we don't have numbers we have estimates and they range you know wildly how how many people that uh, are marked for death um, because of their religion are we do you think we're leaving behind well, I think that the best estimates range between ten and 12,000 Christians. Um, most of these Christians are converts from Islam, and they live in a deep yeah. underground. Um, they have no tr- real formal designated church building. Um, it, so they, they report on Twitter saying that they feel thrown to the wolves. So I think all of those people are in danger of death, men, women, and children. Um, there are also uh, Hindus, some Sikhs, some Shia, Muslim, Hazaris, um, and others who are uh, too afraid to be mentioned. I, I know the, the names of their face, and I talked to one of their leaders, and he said, don't mention us, we're trying to get everybody out. And that mm-hmm. was a week ago. So, um, you know, this is, um, you know, I think it's easily 40,000 people that we've left behind. Um, and... Uh, uh, but especially uh, these Christians, ten to twelve, because thousand, because they are converts and they are considered apostates, and that's punishable under their code, their interpretation of Islam, um, is punishable by death, and um, that's already happening. And you know, it, it, ten years ago, Glenn, there was uh, the Taliban attacked a mission group who were on horseback going through the mountains in the winter, trying to give air care uh, with their pack horses to the remote mountain villagers. And they were all murdered by the Taliban. They were all shot to death, all 10 members of this team, this medical team, doctor's team. They weren't out to, they happened to be a Christian group, but they weren't focusing on spreading the faith. They were focusing on giving this medical care. And the Taliban Propagandist back then is the same one who's identified in the press now as their spokesman. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is yep. Mujahid, is his last name. Um, he said the medical team was killed because they were spying for the Americans, 
and preaching Christianity. He said that to the New York, New York Times. That's where I got that. So um, this is Get- how they view Christians. We're talking to uh, Nina Shea. Uh, Nina, I'll talk to you uh, later for the um, for the TV show tonight. I, I uh, uh, is there anything that we are not doing that we should be doing to help you? Do you have everything you need from us? I need prayer, <laughs> and I, I really appreciate it, Glenn. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, uh, thank you so much for everything that you do. You know, we're kind of just showing up here at the end, and you've been doing this, um, you know, for a very, right, very long time, along with others. <laughs> thank you. Um, Nina Shea, um, you can follow her at uh, Hudson.org at the Hudson Institute. All right, back in just a minute. Every day when you come home, that dog is waiting for you, isn't he? Faithful little guy, always there ready to be your friend. You know what's more impressive? He put up with you being around all the time during the pandemic, never once tried to eat you in your sleep. I mean, I think that's a pretty good dog. That's friendship. You know what I mean? Given all that, he's like, where are they going to leave again? Uh, I'm sure you feel as strongly about keeping your dog happy and healthy as I do mine. Uh, My daughter was like, Dad, don't talk about how old Uno is. I don't, no, don't. And she just welled up. And I'm like, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. But he is, you know, he's 10. He's getting to be old for a German shepherd. And we want to keep him around as long as possible. That's why we give him rough greens. It's not a dog food. It's something you sprinkle on the food. It's a supplement filled with all of the things that make your dog happy and healthy. Get a free bag of Rough Greens just for your dog to try out. All you pay for is shipping. Just go to roughgreens.com slash Beck, roughgreens.com slash Beck, or call 833-GLEN-33, 833-GLEN-33, roughgreens.com slash Beck. All right, let's pause for 10 seconds, station ID. This is the Glenn Beck program. Um, there's a, there were a couple of Congress people that uh, flew in uh, to Kandahar to um, see things and see what was really going on. Uh, are people following this, Stu, in the States? Yeah, it's, it was a story a couple of days ago. There was sort of a controversy about it. Uh, the military seemed to be upset that a couple of Congress, uh, congressmen had, had landed in Afghanistan at that time. Well, sure. There's never a good. There's never a good time uh, to land in a in a war zone or I'm sure. in Afghanistan. I, honestly, at any point, there's never a point yeah, to go visit. Yeah, there's, there's no never Disney a point to go. there. There's nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he was he, a one Republican, one Democrat, both uh, veterans uh, came mm-hmm. in to kind of see what was going on. You know, the military, understandably, is in the middle of a large evacuation. They're they're uh, they. I, I mean, I can understand why. Given the choice, they might not want uh, additional uh, well, things to deal with VIPs in the area. On the other hand, it's sure. it's not bad to have. I mean, it is Congress's job for oversight. I mean, that's that's yeah. I mean, big. we have a civilian-run military, and I think that's really important. And I, I'm I'm really glad that it's two military veterans and a Republican and a Democrat uh, that went in. Uh, to see it. Now, I, I'll be interested to hear 
what they saw um, and what the, the impression was that they came um, back with. We have the Republican on with us here in just a couple of minutes, uh, so stand by for that. Also, there is a, a podcast that comes out tomorrow. It's already available now if you're a Blaze subscriber. It's Neil Ferguson. He is one of my favorite historians. Uh, he is a, a, a truly, truly brilliant man. Um, he's married to Ion Hersey Alley, if you know who she is. Um, and he's just, he is somebody that can really, I think in some ways, look into the future because he knows the past so well. And he was one of the first people uh, that uh, we talked to, at, you know, just before the 2008 crash because he looks at things so differently. I think we look at things um, in many ways the same way. We had a great conversation uh, and I want you to hear that. You can hear it now at blazetv.com. Join us. We need your support. Um, we are very, very grateful to all of the people who have joined the Blaze TV, become part of the family, and help us tell the truth and continue to spread the word. blazetv.com slash Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. If you're a homeowner and you're fiscally responsible, you probably spent a fair amount of time looking for ways to lower your monthly costs, and that undoubtedly looks like not spending beyond your means. And some of it might look like a lower interest rate on some things like your mortgage or your credit card debt. But there's also saving money. And most people think, I can't save any more money. Well, the best way you can possibly find out if you can save money, and I'm talking hundreds of dollars a month, maybe even as much as $1,000 a month, is if you get a free mortgage review from American Financing. It'll take you about 10 minutes. They'll look in to see if debt consolidation might work for you. Um, maybe just even getting just a lower mortgage rate on your house without resetting your loan. American Financing. This is a small, family-operated, family-owned business that I've known and been in business with for almost 20 years now. It's American Financing. See what they could do for you now. It's AmericanFinancing.net, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. And you can get involved with the Nazarene Fund at thenazarenefund.org. We'll continue with the updates. Again, it's thenazarenefund.org. This is the Glenn Beck program, uh, live from the Middle East. You know, I've uh, I've seen so many things going around the internet. It's just it's it's almost comical if it wasn't so stupid. Um, the uh, the people who are uh, <laughs> there, lots of people are complaining that I'm here, um, and uh, they think that I am uh, spending donated money here. I am not. I am personally paying for everything here. Um, the donated uh, air travel has come from um, uh, Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Uh, they're friends of mine, and they have a plane, and we called them up, and they said, absolutely. Um, so everything 
everything that I am doing, I am personally covering. Uh, so no donated funds come out of that. Um, people are saying that I'm somehow or another getting rich off of this. I, I don't understand that scheme, seeing that I personally also gave, uh, when all is said and done, over a quarter of a million dollars uh, to the Nazarene Fund. So that's a hard one to make um, uh, work. Some people say that I'm not in the Middle East. That's 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 a that's a new one. Um, <laughs> some people think that I have um, I'm taking just a private plane in and out of Kabul. I don't know if I'm supposedly piloting the plane, uh, but I'm not, and uh, it's not a private plane with six seats. Uh, somebody was arguing last night that it was very difficult to get 5,100 people out of the airport. In fact, impossible uh, with a plane that just has six seats. Um, we <laughs> It's a good point. We, I mean, if you had a plane that yeah, only it is six good, seats, I would agree with them. It, mm -hmm. I would agree, too. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we have multiple uh, 737 uh, Airbus 380s, I think, uh, and they are they are positioned all over. Uh, right now, and we are going back in, it's my understanding, uh, to try to get more. Um, and it's becoming very, very dangerous. But that's just a clear it up. And if you would like to donate uh, all of the funds, 100% of the funds are going to rescue people, uh, especially Christians that are in grave, grave danger. Peter Meyer is uh, with us. He's a congressman from Michigan. I believe he replaced Justin Amash. Uh, and he's one of the two congressmen that went to Kabul, to the airport. Um, I guess the military was, was upset uh, because, you know, they were busy, whatever. But we are a military that is run uh, by the public and by private citizens and private oversight from uh, our congressman. So I personally am glad that he uh, went over, and he went over with a Democrat as well. Peter joins us now. Hi, Peter. Hi, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Um, what did you find over in Kabul? Um, you came back. You were there a few days ago, right? Yes, we were there on Tuesday, um, you know, okay. just for about 15 hours on the ground, I mean, we found um, a chaotic situation that we should have never put our service members in, but that each yeah. and every American there, soldier, sailor, Marine, airman, diplomat, just working around the clock, working their hearts out to save as many American lives and our Afghan allies as possible. Okay. So can you tell me um, why the State Department uh, and I'm not saying the people on the tarmac, the State Department is out of control and um, and just seemingly blocking uh, private efforts. No. no, they are they are overwhelmed and they are um, behind the eight ball. I mean, this has been a State Department led withdrawal. And, you know, while I'm generally supportive and don't think that uh, a, a diplomatic effort should be military led. This is a military operation um, that the State Department is simply overwhelmed at the at the you know, leadership level to be able to handle. Um, they are they're scrambling, and this is it's utter chaos. Who made this decision to put the State Department? Because isn't it usually when it's a withdrawal like this, the military does it because that's what they do best. Yeah. 
I, I think this comes straight from the top from President Biden. Um, and, and that gets to the root of the chaos, the mismanagement and the incompetence of this whole mission. Everything was going along smoothly until it wasn't. And, and when it started to go south and go south fast, we did not have leadership that was able to rapidly adapt. We did not have those plans in place. And that's why you're seeing the mad scramble. That's why you're seeing our soldiers and Marines being put in the impossible positions that they are. It should have never happened. It's President Biden's fault that it is. Uh, but, you know, this is this the impossible mission that those folks have had to undertake. So and I understand that, you know, the president is the president. He's the commander in chief and he makes the decisions. Um, but I don't understand uh, the logic of the president uh, or I don't understand the Pentagon um, if they were actually saying to the president, yes, we should get rid of Bagram. Uh, there's no strategic value in that, even if it's just no strategic value until this operation is over and we're all out. Do, do, do you believe the Pentagon is advising and 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 cool with all the things that we're doing right now? Oh, uh, the I've talked to folks at the Department of Defense who are heartbroken, who are frustrated beyond all measure. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot of professionals who have spent their livelihoods, their Lives. careers, the past two mm -hmm. decades, right, risking their life, working alongside Afghans, and to see that all crumble in a matter of days has been a, a gut blow of the highest order. And then to also see the failures to plan and, and this mad scramble and the horror of the past you know, couple of days, um, I, I am, I'm really worried about what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months there. But again, what do you mean I mean, by that? Hang on is, just a second. What, what do you, yeah. what do you mean by that for the people on the ground or for us? For all of us. I mean, right now there is a massive mobilization of thousands of veterans of former diplomats, of former Department of Defense civilians, of aid workers, of journalists working around the clock to get as many people out as possible, running on adrenaline, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And, and right now that pipeline is about to get shut off, right? That, that effort, their, their attempts to save the lives of their friends, their, the, to save the lives of Americans, to save the lives of Afghans who risked it all to support our U.S. mission. Um, when that is no long when there's no longer hope at the end of that when that is cut off um i i i'm deeply concerned i think we're going to see um consequences we can't imagine right now how does this i mean i think most americans are fine they wanted an end of an ongoing 20 year yep. War on terror. That is the most ridiculous thing we ever did was we're fighting a concept of terror. Um, and it's morphing and it's bleeding into here. We've made all kinds of mistakes. Um, but let me, let me ask you, um, if you were president of the United States and you, I assume you wanted to get out, um, mm -hmm. uh, I think all Americans do, how should we have done this? It, it should have been, it should have been careful. It should have been exacting. Uh, it should have been willing to respond to situations on the ground. Uh, I, I mean, I spent 2013 to 2015 in Afghanistan. I believe that there was no military conclusion to the mission there. 
that you had to result in a blended power sharing government. Um, but in the span of a few weeks, every single bit of leverage we had in order to impress the Taliban to accept that outcome vanished. Give it up. And, and we did not change our posture. We did not change our withdrawal. We did not, uh, from the beginning, emphasize the evacuation of our loyal Afghan allies and American citizens. Um, those mistakes, you know, we had predicted. I was part of the bipartisan group pushing on this going back to April saying we have time now, move fast because we don't know if we'll have time later. And we were rebuffed, we were ignored. But you, you talk about Bagram Air Base, you talk about all of these components, the idea that we withdraw our military before we withdraw civilians. I mean, we would not be in the position we are today if we had prioritized and had gone in with that worst case scenario planning. And as a result, we have just been scrambling for the past several weeks you know, the forces on the ground doing the best that they can, but with that vacuum of leadership from the top. There are two things that I think are absolutely reprehensible, and I don't say this politically um, by any stretch of the imagination. One of the most impeachable things I have ever seen, um, and I remember Nixon and I remember Clinton and all of them, the most impeachable thing I have seen is the fact that we left Black Hawk helicopters for them uh, and that we left all kinds of technology, including the Air Force Base, including our embassy, and uh, our president may have either just left behind uh, the names of all the people that helped us or actually okayed giving a list to the Taliban. Any comment on, on any of that? We need a, a unsparing accountability for everything that has happened, for the multiple failures, many of which you outlined there, but there are uh, additional ones. But, I mean, continuing to deny that al-Qaeda has a presence there, continuing to deny that Americans are, are stranded. Um, I mean, this has been leadership failure upon strategic failure upon operational failure. Uh, but it's also been a congressional failure to exert oversight. I mean, you talk about all of those weapons. Um, you talk about the way this war has gone on for close to 20 years. Imagine if every member of Congress had to vote every term to keep forces there, to cast that vote on whether or not to risk American lives and demand to know why. Imagine if every single one of those Black Hawk helicopters that was sold, all of that armament that's currently in the hands of the Taliban, imagine if Congress had to pass in both houses a, a measure of support in order to do that. Right? We have had a Congress that has checked out, and we have had a presidency, presidencies that have been able to operate with impunity. And this tragic conclusion over the past several weeks is what happens when we just trust the president and, and do not exert our constitutional oversight. So there has to be unsparing criticism uh, and, and you, examination you and accountability. Do you think that's going to happen? I mean, we've got Nancy Pelosi talking about women's rights yesterday instead of any of this. Um, is that going to happen? Because that seems like a pipe dream, Peter, at this point. We, we, we had a Republican call last night. Um, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm probably I am more angry than I let on right now because I am heartbroken at the lives that were lost on Thursday at the airport. I am, I am exhausted yes. from our round-the-clock efforts to get American citizens and our loyal Afghan allies out. Um, we are still in triage mode, but there, 
Well, I am committed, and I think our Republican leadership is committed to that unsparing accountability and holding everyone who is responsible and culpable for these failures to account. I hope so. Peter Meyer, thank you very much, Congressman uh, from Michigan. Back in a moment. Yvonne lives in California, and she and her husband are in their 70s. And like many people their age, they were finding, you know, more and more, they'd wake up in sunny California in pain. And then they'd go to bed still feeling it. Desperately, they tried potential solution after potential solution, and everything let them down. At the end of the day, they were still both in pain. Finally, Yvonne heard about Relief Factor while listening to some clown on the radio uh, and uh, decided to give it a try. What did she have to lose? Well, Yvonne wrote to me. She said not too long after they both began to take it, things changed. All of a sudden, they weren't waking up in pain anymore. And then they weren't going to bed in pain anymore. She said, thanks for giving us our life back, Relief Factor. Relief Factor is not a drug. Developed by doctors, 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. That three-week trial pack, you just start for three weeks. If it's not working for you, stop taking it. But 70% of the people go on to order more. ReliefFactor.com, 800-583-84. It's ReliefFactor.com. The Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Thank you so much for spending uh, just a few minutes or a few days with us this week uh, as uh, we uh, uh, conclude our broadcast here from the Middle East. I think we're having a meeting here in just a few minutes, but uh, we will decide what we're doing and where we're going next um, after this broadcast. But thank you so much for listening, and thank you for your support of the NazareneFund.org. Uh, Glenn, I'm looking at you are currently trending on Twitter, which is always mm. a good sign. I'm sure it's a good. It's yeah. always a good thing. <laughs> always a good when thing. I'm tre- it's never a good thing. Never. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going through the, the comments here. There are a lot of news stories that have finally started to come out about all of the money that, that has been raised and the people that have been saved. And we're thankful for that. Um, they're not all positive. Uh, <laughs> 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 Not all comments are positive on Twitter, which is going to yeah, shock a lot sure, of people. Sure. There's a few different uh-huh. categories these kind of break into. One of which is just they see your name trending and they're very upset that you're not dead. And I, felt, I saw, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> which is an yeah. interesting so, I'm thing. I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I haven't died yet. Sorry. That That's very disappointing to many. It's weird though. Can you mm-hmm. think of the, like, think of the mental process that goes on there where you see Glenn Beck, you're like, oh my gosh, is he dead? You click on it, and then you're disappointed that he's alive and saved 5,100 refugees. <laughs> That's a weird thing Just to be saying. disappointed about. Um, okay, yeah, but here's can I tell you one thing yeah. that really is concerning me yes. is that um, uh, that that I am being looked at like saving people. I'm not. I did yeah. my part, and that is talk on the air and raise the money. Um, we are helping with the airplanes, but there are so many charities involved, and 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 at the end of this, I will make a big deal out of all of these charities because we're all working together. 
You also did uh, strangle one member of ISIS-K with your bare hands. You should probably point that out. Well, I, was gonna throw I that did out there. do that. I uh, did uh, do that. There are people that are saying, like, well, of course, typical Glenn Beck only uh, saving Christians. That's not true, though. That's right? the charter of the Nazarene Fund. Well, it's Christians and other save religious Christians minorities. Christians and any religious minorities. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this. I'll give you something to complain about. We didn't want to fly half-empty uh, plane loads at times. And so... There were lots of non-Christians on some of these flights as well, because I'm not going to fly a half-empty plane. We're helping whoever needs help.